Welcome to another Apex Nutrition Podcast. So in today's episode, uh, Kelly is going to be answering five common sports drink myths. And we are, um, we got some questions from listeners or Facebook followers and Kelly's going to answer some questions with that. So we have, uh, uh, does pickle juice actually work? Uh, do sports drinks ruin teeth enamel? And we had some questions about homebrew too, but I think I answered those. And I think there's a few more. So Kelly, uh, what do you got for us this episode? All right. Well, we'll start with the um, five sports drinks myths that I hear a lot from clients from um, that I hear racers talk about. Um, just in passing or, um, people come to me with these questions a lot. So we'll start there. And the first one I'm going to start with is that there's an ideal drink for everyone. That if you combine the right, you know, chemicals or ingredients, that this should work for everyone. One of the biggest. It comes in a pill, right? It comes in a pill. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and if I could figure it out, I would make a lot of money, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, digestion is just one of those things that is a very, very individual. And I think you'll hear a lot of people I respect anyway talk about um, an experiment of one. So meaning that it's a good idea in some, sometimes, you know, to start with some knowledge of what you need, but then to go ahead and experiment with different things, knowing that you digest things as an individual. The thing that makes this special beyond just like saying that there's no ideal food even for everyone is that whenever you're training and racing, you're kind of putting your body into some trauma and then you're trying to eat, you know, in other situations where your body is in like high stress, physical trauma, you don't require yourself to eat and have energy for long periods of time, but that's what we're doing. It's not exactly like a physiological normal place to be. Um, and so that's why there's all of these nuances about figuring out what works best for you. Um, people's digestion is very individual to start with. And then their reaction to when they are actually physically stressed is different than too. you know, so uh, some people can digest lots of things on the bike. Some people can hardly digest anything on the bike without having problems. So I think this is all to say that in general, you know, people and me being one of them, um, who are trying to make sports drinks and sell you on them and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it's a money-making business and there, there has to be from the consumer an idea that there's individual needs and that there's not an ideal one for it for everyone. And I think even between runner, you know, for those out there who are doing off-road triathlons or who run as well, like even between running and, um, biking, there could be differences just because digestion is, is so different between the two. One, you're, your stomach is bouncing up and down and the other one you're sitting. So, and you know, it. if you think about it too, with, you know, you mentioned the business perspective, it, people always think, Oh, it's bad. It's bus-. No, we're all, it's, everyone's, it's not a bad thing. But my point is, um, and the, you know, the fact that there are different nutrition. So like Osmo and Tailwind and Carver Rocket, Scratch Labs, it's a good thing. Like it's a good thing. Yeah. Cause everyone, like you said, everyone's different and don't and just, I- yeah, I work with really, you know, top level pros and, and racers who use all those that you just said. <laughs> Gatorade. Exactly. We've touched on yeah, that before in our previous, yeah. Yeah. All of those. And, um, you know, sometimes this, people are a little annoyed when they start to work with me that I don't give them a one best. Usually when someone works with me and they don't already have one that they prefer or they're coming to me because they've had stomach issues. 
I'll give them like my top five. Like, I think all of these are good for different reasons. Um, and then, you know, we start working through it and I don't have one that I say for sure, this is going to work for everyone. One of my favorite ones, a client just, and I won't, I won't mention what it is, but a client recently, um, you know, it just didn't work. He, he cramped up really bad on a, um, on a recent ride. And this one is really easy on the stomach and, and works so great for a lot of people. Um, part of it was he wasn't drinking quite enough, but, but you know, like they don't all work for the same people and for the same rides. It, it's, um, it's a very individual and it's, it's a good idea to kind of figure it out, starting with a good product and knowing what you need. And then figuring out if you need to get that from which fluid and then what you need to add in terms of foods or electrolytes as well. Hmm. Yeah. So, so when, num- they, when they come to you and you say that, or I guess anybody else, if they go to anybody else and ask them, and if they say a, a warning sign might be that, oh, here's the perfect one. Yeah, this works for everyone. Yes, Even if you don't exactly. like the taste, make yourself drink it. Yeah. <laughs> that That's that's a big warning sign. That happens a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. So, all right, number two myth is that diluting a sports drink is a good idea. I um I work with a lot of people who come to me and are diluting sports drinks um, just out of habit all the time. And usually the reason that they're doing it is because they don't like how sweet it tastes. And I can, I'm, that's fine. You know, I can understand that, especially for endurance length. You just get so tired of, of drinking things that are sweet. It's one of the reasons that, that I use like savory foods in addition to, um, to like a sports drink because you just get tired of sweet drink, sweet drink for, you know, 10 hours mm-hmm. straight. The problem with diluting it is that you're not just diluting the carbs, which you do need, but you can get other places. You're diluting the electrolytes, and that's usually the issue. So my recommendation, if you like a lighter-tasting drink, is to find a lighter-tasting drink that still has adequate carbs. I mean, I'm sorry, that has adequate sodium. Not to take one that has adequate sodium to start with, that tastes too sweet to you, and then dilute it. If you do dilute it, then you do need to find where you can get sodium added, how how you can do that. You know, and there's other ways to do it. You can use... um you know, like a supplements like, um, Enduro lights or S caps or even salt or even Morton's light, which has sodium and potassium in it in the salt section. Um, but just and be aware of that. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in there. So you yes. mentioned Morton's light before and yeah. for people that are like, you know, cause you kind of just go over it and they're like, people yeah. don't know what that is. So if you go to yeah. the salt section, there's mm-hmm. all those different kinds of salt, right? So you have your mm-hmm. regular salt, you have your whatever, and there's these, you know, for people that have heart problems, there's yeah, these, high uh, yeah, high blood pressure, there's these low sodium salts. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they take, you can explain it, just, ex- sorry, that's it, it, your it, job, it, not mine. But, <laughs> no, but, uh, it's good. Um, yeah, they use potassium in addition to the sodium, potassium chloride, I think, um, in addition to the sodium. And magnesium chlor- too. Yes, in order to, because those are minerals that can mimic the taste of salt somewhat. And then um, the sodium is generally the, um, well, what people believe to cause some of the high blood pressure. Yeah. So by using something that tastes like it, they can make a light salt. And this is Morton's Light. There's probably other brands. That's the one I see kind of across, you know, in main food um, grocery store chains. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, right there. It's a smaller bottle. It's usually towards the bottom of the shelves. So that's a good way to, when you're adding sodium, to add potassium. Now, it's not in a good ratio. So... You know, that's a whole other story on homebrews. Yeah. Um, but um, if you're trying to get three, 100 to 300 milligrams of potassium per hour, that's a place to start. And then you can add an 
enough to get sodium. Usually we're aiming for 400 or more milligrams of sodium per hour. I start with 400 to 700 milligrams of sodium per hour. So, okay. Number Sorry, three. I threw, throwing you off here. I just want no, to explain to. It's good because sometimes I, I forget or don't, you know, uh, I just talk about this so much. <laughs> that, yeah. That I forget what's, what's common and what's not sometimes. Um, Okay, number three is that commercial drinks are adequate in sodium then. That's a big one. Like most people who start off, especially with like the boutique or the most more expensive ones, assume that it's going to just be a good one as far as electrolytes go too. And, you know, as much as even in daily nutrition, I tell people to read labels and kind of become aware of what's in their foods and, you know, um, not to be fooled by the packaging. Same thing with sports drinks. Look at the label, see how much sodium is in it. Um, for one, that's... See how much of everything is in it, but that's the most common thing I see is that people um, assume that there's adequate sodium and other electrolytes, and there's just not. Um, and it's it's very common for people to be way under sodium, especially as we head into hotter um, months. If you think you might be low in sodium, you know some some things that happen with it too are you know, it's one of those things that causes some bonking. Um, I just had a client recently who hired me just because on a, you know, he was, he's newer. He's actually a road cyclist, but, um, he's newer. Gasp. To- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. We're good. <laughs> we can, we can handle some of that, I guess. Oh well, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, he, you know, he was out there on this ride with, you know, a, a team and, uh, with some guys from the shop and, and they were all together and he was just bonking. And felt horrible and, you know, really everything else was in check besides the sodium. And what they had thought was maybe it was what he ate before because when they saw how much fluid he was drinking, how much sports drink, you know, and a good one, he thought he was drinking, um, that, you know, they automatically assumed that can't be the issue. It must be like what you ate yesterday or before. And so when he, when he came to me, he was like, you know, here's exactly, you know, I have another one coming up this weekend. This is what they said, but I just felt like something more, there was more to it than that. Something was wrong. Um, you know, and obvious to me, he was getting about 150 milligrams of sodium per hour and he was a big guy. Um, and, and that's just to say, and, and he had told me like, you know, I, I sweat a lot. So that's why I drink this much. And so really what he was doing was drinking a lot of fluid with inadequate sodium, which in your plasma is going to just dilute that sodium. Mm. So that was, was the issue. And it's very, very common. All right. Number four is that research always equals results in practice. So the thing with a lot of sports nutrition or nutrition research in general is that a lot of times researchers are looking at like blood plasma levels of different things. Um, for, for example, they're looking at how much your blood sugar goes up after you drink something and then how much insulin your body pumps out. And insulin is the hormone that takes care of blood sugar because our bodies do not want it in our arteries. They have to deal with it. So they put it away in our, in our cells. And that's the hormone that does that. Um, and they follow things like that. Those nuances, how much, um, yeah, so plasma, sodium goes up and, and that sort of thing. And a lot of times that's all well and fine in research, but it's not like that's improving a ride necessarily. Hypothetically, it might be, but it doesn't always translate to being stronger or feeling better or going faster. And so that's just something to become aware of whenever um, companies are making claims based on the research they've done. And I think it's a good place to start. I'm not saying that the research is bad. I'm just saying that that doesn't automatically, 
you know, our bodies are very complex. And so when you isolate a piece of what's happening physio- physiologically and claim that that's going to result in like a whole body experience of being better, it doesn't always work out. One common example too would be, um, you know, when with protein, adding protein that allows you to get more calories in and it allows you to, um, utilize the carbs better for the drinks that have protein. And for some people it works great for others. It just, it, it causes stomach upset, you know, and, and that can be one thing when I see someone's using a protein in their drink, that's, you know, kind of where I start usually if they're having a lot of nausea and cramping to see if that's the issue. Cause that, that is a common issue, not for everyone, but it is. And it didn't result in like better times necessarily. If that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I just for myself, I can tell you. Yeah. Experience. Hmm. Interesting. I think, you know, another um, example I go back to is, you know, forever. And I'm not saying that I'm some great mountain biker at all. There's a billion people who put me in my place any day of the year. There's but, always somebody better. Oh, there is. <laughs> no, I am. Yeah, it doesn't always. matter who you are. They're always Sometimes a... they're like 20 years older than you, which yeah, is exactly. <laughs> dang it. Yep. Um, which is great though. It's, that's encouraging. So, you know, for, for five years I lived and trained and raced and did stuff in, in Crested Butte. And that was one of those places where there was always someone better than you. Um, because it's just such a mecca for mountain biking. But, you know, at that time, I was doing 100-mile length races, you know, and doing well in them. I, I won a few races, you know, did, um, you know, have climbed a lot of mountains off the bike, on the bike, too. So at, at a pretty high level, just just to say that, um, again, not, not the best ever at all. Um, but I did all of that forever until, like, two years ago on a combination of a Kool-Aid packet, um, sh- table sugar and table salt. And that was it, you know? And so for an example, you know, race the Crest Butte classic, which is a hundred mile race, you top 20 in that did well, you know, high is probably as good as I was going to get at the time. And then two weeks later, you know, did the Cocopelli trail in two days. So doing a lot. And the only reason I even say all that is just so you realize that I'm not, you know, saying that I rode around the block on, on that combo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that honestly, was just on that. My husband actually, he did that too. And that all stemmed from, you know, we got, we were married in college and started doing a lot of this stuff back then. And we were just really poor. We couldn't even afford Gatorade more or less like one of the better ones that's come up since then. And we just kept doing it. I have friends who are setting, you know, one who's um, a client and a friend who's setting records and ultra running right now on that mix. Like, so, and I'm not saying that that's the best way to go. And I'm not telling you that's what you should do. All I'm saying is that Research would say that that's horrible. You know, that's not long lasting carbs. That's table sugar, the fructose and glucose ratios all off. And maybe I would have done better on a better formula. That, that's, that could be it too. Um, but that translated fine into results for me. And that was enough for me for all that time. Now I'm kind of, you know, I've used different things now and, and that was a sweeter drink. And so you got tired of the taste a little bit. Yeah. Um, you just mix up the Kool-Aid packet. You do. Flavor. You know, <laughs> to be honest, it was like half strength of what we all ate yeah, or drank yeah. in the seventies when Kool-Aid wasn't so when it was PC to drink mm-hmm. Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. So is whenever I was in college, you know, in my kitchen and thinking, oh, I can't afford Gatorade. What am I going to do? Like, how can I mimic Gatorade? That's what came to my mind. Oh, Kool-Aid. So there's, there's a story that completely discredits probably everything in my career. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the point is, I guess, like you said, you know, the, the whole 
I guess, what was the point? Back to the protein, I think it was. The point is that research doesn't always equal results. Oh, like, right. That in research, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't deliver the longest lasting, um, you know, it'd probably deliver too high of glucose and then too high of insulin, um, and not long lasting and steady. But I found that I could, you know, go 15 and 18 hours sometimes uh, on that and, and do well. So never filling, you know, the other thing is the, the carb percentage would be way too high of a concentration, the osmolality. Um, and it wasn't super high. It was like a 6% concentration for anyone who's following all that stuff. Um, I wasn't like drinking soda out there, but, and, and I know people who do that too, but all the, all that to say in research, that wouldn't have been the best. And I would have been causing myself dehydration and I would have, you know, been crashing and bonking. And that just wasn't the case. And that hasn't been, you know, and I, it's not just me. It's all of our friends were doing this too because they wanted to know, you know, this cheap 10 cent sports drink we were making and, and we all did it together. So, so anyway, number, that's number four. Number five is that the goal of your sports drink is to adequately replenish all the calories that you're using or that you're burning. And that's not just for sports drink, but for fuel. Now, I like a lot of the sports drink that, that add extra calories because I find that in, um, you know, super long endurance rides, especially when you're carrying all your own stuff, there's no aid stations and you're just kind of going out, that those extra calories do come in, come in handy. And it's kind of nice to have kind of like a steady flow of them rather than having to stop and eat all these different things and, you know, um, risk stomach upset by eating meals while you're, while you're out there. But, even with those, a common uh, kind of myth that, that I see clients have is that they, they figure out how much they are um, burning on their power meters, and then they want me to help them figure out how to replenish that on the bike. And that's not the point at all. The point of fuel on the bike, starting with your sports drink, is to replenish, is to give your body what it can use, not replenish what you're losing. And it will always be in a deficit, and that's okay, because the... If we were going straight into our bloodstreams, if we, you know, had an IV of this stuff, maybe we could give our body what it's losing. But the big limiting factor that we've talked about before is digestion. And so you can't like override or think that you can, your body wants to handle all those calories per hour, a thousand for a lot of guys. You know, they're burning that many, you know, a thousand to twelve hundred per hour. Your digestion system, your digestive system does not want to handle a thousand calories per hour while you're making yourself ride your bike. So it's just a, a, a good thing to know to kind of back off. There's a, a big sentiment out there and I agree with it that kind of less is more on the bike. Now that doesn't mean like not drinking anything. I, I'm not for the starvation, right? Seeing how far you can go without drinking anything. Um, but that means that, you know, maybe in there 200 to 300 calories per hour is what we're looking for. Um, on longer rides, we'll go up to 300 to 400 sometimes. You know, 60 grams of carbs is a good start for longer things, maybe up to 90. But we are not replenishing a 1,000 calories per hour. So think of it, I guess, so in just easy terms, think of it as a hot water heater. So if you're taking a shower, it can only fill up so much at while you're taking a shower, and you're going to run out eventually at some point. Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> Did I just take what you were going to say? No. No, oh. darn it that it's a cold shower is what I was saying. Well, exactly. Because <laughs> that's what it is. That's what I always think. It's like there's no way you can, yeah. Well, and and the, the truth is is that your body has lots of reserves. And so you can go for a long time on 200 to 300 calories per hour. Now, for like stage races, 
that is a place where you do want to, you don't want to have a deficit day after day after day. You know, and I'm thinking I'm working with, you know, some, some people riding the um, tour divide this year. That one, we are trying to replenish their calories, but not on the bike. That means that afterwards you're trying to get in, you know, some, some, a lot of food right when you're done for the day where you're eating small amounts every couple hours until we get to, you know, several thousands of calories per day. Um, but on the bike, we're sticking to our fuel plan of so many per hour that are easy to digest. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to replenish everything at some point. I'm saying on the bike and with your sports drink, you're not trying to replenish that. Hmm. So. All right. Questions. So I think a good one to start with, um, since we're talking about Kool-Aid and sugar, <laughs> uh, Heather and Heather's a great, uh, follower mountain bike radio and i you know so i appreciate it heather thank you very much yes um and her question was do the sports drinks ruin teeth enamel oh and my sad sad answer is yes they definitely affect teeth enamel um like any other acidic drink a lot of them have citric acid in them sometimes for taste a bit more for it's like a natural preservative and it's um, usually derived from like oranges so you know any acidic um drink or food for that matter, will break down teeth enamel um, over time. And if, if I, and I'm not a dentist by any means, but if I understand it right, that's kind of even what happens with sugar is that the bacteria create an acidic environment as they um, break down, the bacteria in your mouth break down the sugar. And then that acidic environment is what causes a lot of the cavities and the problems in our teeth. Well, if we're drinking something that has is acidic to start with and has sugar in it, it's a little bit of a double whammy. Um, now, in research, though, the studies I saw, they took um, cow's teeth and they put them, soaked them in um, sports drink for 15 minutes a day, four times a day. And at five days of doing that, they saw some changes in the tooth enamel. So one thing is that, again, as thinking of ourselves as whole body people, you know, that, you know, not an isolated tooth, your body is swallowing. It's not soaking. And we have saliva to dilute it and to kind of, you know... Um, uh, clean our mouth as, as you're doing that. So there are different things going on. We're not soaking it, but at the same time, there, there is truth to it too. So my recommendation is one, they say not to brush your teeth right after, because what you do is you actually kind of like spread around and grind in that acid to your teeth. So a better thing to do initially after um, drinking sports drink is to use like a mouthwash and to wash it away or to chew um, a sugar-free gum. My, I'm, I'm a fan of xylitol, which is a um, sugar alcohol that they put in a lot of um, gums now. That So it's not like saccharin or aspartame. It's a naturally occurring um, sugar alcohol that makes things very sweet. And the best gum I know for that is Spry. So that's a good one to have around. It's good anyway. And you uh, can get Spry a lot of places. A lot not of places, Not just yeah. like crazy <laughs> health food store out in the middle of the mountains kind of thing. You can find yeah. it a lot of different places. Yep, online, in, you know, in person, in small, um, I've never seen it, I will say, I've never seen it at my, like, big grocery store chains, but, but the medium-sized ones are the ones with a little bit of a more natural spin to them, usually have it. And online, you can find it for sure, at Amazon, Vitacost, all of those places. So, so that's a good one. I think one of the next ones we had. Yep, pickle juice. About, Pickle juice. Yeah, I want to know about pickle juice. <laughs> yeah. Because I've heard it several times, so it was a really good question. So, Mark, thank you for, for asking. Uh, so, does it work? 
Yeah. So the question was, can that work for electrolyte rep- replenishment? I think I don't think he asked for a sp- straight up sports drink. Um, so the, oh, the, right. Uh, but I'm curious because that's what people say is like, oh, just you know, if you're getting tired at the end of the race, just slam some pickle juice. Mm-hmm. So what? Yes. What's up? And, and specifically for cramping is is what what I hear and what I see. So the thing that comes to mind, you know, is you've got fluid, you've got sodium, a lot of sodium in pickle juice. Um, and there is a sports drink. I think it's called pickle juice sports drink. Really? Damn yeah. it. There's I know, my... our millions of dollars. Yes. Um, and, but I think that, and I'm not saying that this is a bad thing, but I think they're even, you know, brewing it or making it somehow. And it's not even like it doesn't have pickles, but it has the components of pickle juice otherwise. Um, but they're not actually soaking and canning pickles in anymore. But anyway, all that to say is in the research they've done, it's it's a little bit of like a, a thing they can't figure out for sure. So there's only um, speculation because in the time that cramping has stopped after people have administered pickle juice. So that's almost where all the research is, is and that's not a place I want to be having already cramped and then getting this. I'm usually into like proactive mm-hmm. replenishment here. Um, but but what pickle juice has shown is that one, it stops that cramp faster than nothing, <laughs> stops it faster than water. And in one, at least one or two research, it stops it faster than a, than a typical sports drink. And I'm not sure what sports drink that was. They didn't say. And I don't know how much sodium that sports drink had. But in that research, they showed that it stopped it faster than they think the liquid was even leaving the stomach. So it's not the fluid is, is what that says. And they didn't think that it even had time for the sodium to make a difference. So what's left in pickle juice is a vinegar. I am a huge fan of like folk medicine and anyone who read my post on um, that super health tonic. I think you tried it then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With um, that one uses organic apple cider vinegar. I, I'm a huge fan of that. And, and I say in that one, you know, I think the first statement in that post was I haven't, you know, I, I don't know how this works, <laughs> um, but that's okay with me. I'm okay with not knowing why vinegar does a lot of the great things it does. And they think that there's some interaction with nerves, even at the um, digestive, like mouth, throat, stomach, some sort of reaction that's happening with the the vinegar and nerve endings that somehow reacts in, to, to stop muscle cramps at the skeletal muscle level. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So it's the weirdest thing. And obviously I don't know <laughs> what, yeah. you know, what I'm talking about there. Um, but that's, that's what I know from it, from looking at the research and, you know, as something that's, you know, pretty natural, I'm all for it. If you can, prov- I don't know how well it would set with people to consume proactively like a sports drink. Um, but, but if you like it or if you like that sports drink that's derived from the same sort of things, I, I think, Hey, that's great. Um, one thing is it doesn't have carbs. So if you're using it to, to really replace a sports drink, um, you're going to want to get carbs from somewhere else or add carbs to it or something like that. Um, so that's just one thing to know. You're, you know, our three things we're looking for with a sports drink generally is, um, fluids, some carbs, and then the electrolytes. So then that actually, so that answers the pickle juice question and kind of goes into the next one, which, uh, from Ben, uh, he's a new, I think a fairly new follower, it seems, but he's also been pretty active. So I appreciate it, Ben. I appreciate all these questions. I appreciate everyone, you know, chiming in and asking this stuff. And, um, but it kind of goes into the, you know, his question was, is there any truth to, well, there's kind of two questions that are kind of go the same, but we'll just tackle them 
at one. Is there any truth to having too many calories in your drink? And can that actually deplete your body's hydration? What about making your own with calories and or electrolytes and how could that be done? I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier, but you know, specifically what, uh, and then this, the second question that was kind of goes with that is guy asks, is water, lemon or lime juice and sea salt a good alternative? Yep. Okay. So, how you go about that is first you go to the store, you go to the Kool-Aid aisle, you pick out your favorite flavor of a Kool-Aid packet, and I'm kidding. So, um, sorry if if the sarcasm doesn't translate well. I'm just making fun of myself. You're um, good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, too many calories. Yes, you can have one. Is um, you can have too many carbs. You can have too many particles in your drink, um, and you can have too many calories. So this, again, goes back to kind of what we talked about with digestion. But that's going to be your limiting factor. In research, what they've shown is that per hour, most people can utilize, metabolize 60 grams of glucose per hour. And the interesting thing about this is it doesn't matter if it's me, I'm five foot zero, <laughs> if it's me or if it's someone who's six foot and weighs 50 more pounds than me. The, the rate of your ability to use glucose is the same. So I always found that interesting um, because our calorie needs would be different, but our glucose needs or not needs, but ability to use them are the same. So that's where they start. Now, if you've ever read anything about like that two to one ratio of glucose to fructose, what they found then is by using more than one type of sugar, fructose and glucose, you could increase how much you can use because those different carbs have different absorption sites and different ways of being used in the body. So then it got up to like 90 is what you could use is 90 grams of carbs then if they were using those two different kinds per hour. So that's a good place to start. I With, with most clients, we usually aim for about 60 to start with. If they're really long ultra um, events, we go higher. As far as calories, most people are okay in the 200 to 300 calorie per hour range, like I said, for long, slower things, 300 to 400. But you go beyond that and you generally do start, one, dealing with stomach issues and two, especially if it's something that's a little bit tougher to digest, um, dealing with with uh, kind of leg, you know, your legs just not having very much strength anymore because your body is now dealing with digestion on top of pedaling. So that's a big thing for me. I, I kind of like the slow, steady stream of very easy to digest things, small portions when I do add solids, just so I'm not causing my body to do extra work. So you kind of want to think of it that way. Um, again, we're not trying to replenish everything we're losing. So those super high claims of calories, you know, drink this and you'll never have to drink anything else. Um, aren't necessarily warranted because it's not necessary to do that on the bike. Um, as far as osmolality, what that is, is that's just a um, measure of how many particles are dissolved into a, um, a solution or into a fluid. And there is a lot of research behind that it should be at the same osmolality as our body fluids, because that makes sense that it wouldn't then disturb our body fluids. And I do think that there is um, some some truth to this. I don't myself believe that it has to be at this super precise uh, percentage. And that's the only one that will ever work for anyone. And if you don't get that percentage, that osmolality, use that sports drink that you are dehydrating yourself. I don't believe that. I think our digestive system deals well with within range, within, you know, reasonable amounts of, um, of different concentrations of, um, particles. Some people really believe that it should be so, um, 
like a 3% solution around there is like our body fluid. So some people believe it should be at that range or lower. Traditional drinks are like 4 to 6%. And I think I'm going way off into all kinds of technical realms that, that are too much here. But um, that's just to say, so if you hear those words, osmolality and the concentration and that sort of thing, I think a lot of people are okay all the way up to 6%. There is some difference in how particles in your drink will affect your rate of... Um, of the fluid leaving your stomach. Now remember, nothing gets absorbed in your stomach. Everything only gets absorbed in your intestines. So it has to leave your stomach. Interesting that in drinks, some, if you have too many particles in it, it actually stops it up in your stomach a little bit because it's your stomach's job is to kind of start breaking things down mechanically and with um, enzymes and acid. So lower ones go faster. Um, higher ones will take a little bit longer. So that's one issue. The other part of this question was if it can dehydrate you, having too much. So where that comes from is simple sugars in your intestines. What they can do is draw fluid from your other cells into your intestines. Um, and therefore, people call it dehydrating you. The issue I have with calling it dehydrating you is most of that fluid is going to be rehydrated. Not to be to get gross here, but unless you're having diarrhea, the fluid isn't leaving your body. Um, through your digestive tract. So it is your, your colon, your large intestines job is like your, um, is to, to figure out what fluids you need to get reabsorbed and to put them back in the system. So if you are not having any of those, um, issues while you're writing, then it is getting reabsorbed. Now that delay in the reabsorption could be a problem. That could be the difference between filling, hydrating and bonking and then coming, coming back to life. Um, but that is not like a, dehydrating you like it's leaving your body necessarily hmm. it's, well it's, it's just good to it's good to think of it as that yeah you know I the mean, thing is is it's you know the terms get thrown around so easily that you know yeah it's a perfect good it the perfect uh to the myths episode i guess yeah, yeah. and i think that's just a, a really good example of um research Isolating one thing, yes, this is drawing fluid into our gut, but not thinking of ourselves as a whole body. Well, then what's happening? Okay, well, our bodies are doing something to figure this out. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I think it's probably better if it never draws it into your gut. And so that's those lower, those um, claims of having a lower osmolality that would um, reduce that. But if you're sacrificing a ton of carbs and um, calories and you're not getting them from somewhere else, then that's a good way to bonk too. So... um so yeah. And so real quick, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up soon here, but so then the uh, guy's question with the water, lemon or mm -hmm. lime juice and sea salt, it's not yeah. really, it wouldn't necessarily be a good alternative to producing calories, but if you just need something with a little bit of electrolyte, I mean, that's. Yes. And a point to make here is usually when I'm talking about needing all these carbs and, um, especially the carbs and the calories, I'm talking for rides at least 90 minutes or longer. There's definitely no no good reason that you need carbs during one that's 60 minutes or shorter. There, even in research, that just doesn't show any improvement in performance. Getting the carbs in now in the heat, you it would be good to to have some hydration and some electrolytes. So that's like a perfect place to use the lemon and lime juice is um, for like up to 90 minutes as it's getting hotter and as you want something to drink. I think that's great. Um, for longer things, you could still use that if you're getting your carbs from somewhere else per hour. But there is um there is that need for carbs not just because you need them for energy, 
They also help with hydration. Your body will absorb the fluids better with some sodium and with some carbs in it. So there is a good reason to have all of these together. You could add, you know, even a little bit of table sugar to that mix if you wanted to add carbs. And, you know, we kind of, I, I made fun of that. But almost every, um, most of my favorite sports drinks use sucrose. You know, it's called sucrose. That's table sugar. They, they use that as maybe their second or their third um, ingredient. So, you know, don't be afraid to, if you want to, to add a little bit of that. My home brews, I, I use table sugar. One of the reasons I do is because, you know, it's readily available. It works well in, in small concentrations. Um, and I'm not making people, I, I'm always. And it's cheap. It's cheap. That's the next thing I was going to go to. You know, I'm, when, when I start working with people, there are some things that I don't budge on. You know, there's, if someone's drinking dairy, I'm having them drink organic. If, you know, there's, there's, I don't go organic with everything, but with certain things I do. And then there's supplements that I think they need, you know, I'm going to make them buy some fish oil, that sort of thing. And so I'm always, you know, just, I'm kind of in charge of our food budget and I know how much all these things cost. And so if I'm making you get these crazy ingredients for this too, then, then that bothers me after a while. The other thing is that I do believe that you should train with sports drinks, and that was going to be one of my myths, but I didn't put that on, that you should only use sports drinks for races. you got to train with it. If you're going to get better on the bike, you got to give yourself what you need while you're training. And not only that, you don't want to do new things really on race day that your body's not accustomed to to start with. That just puts all kinds of variables in there. So then if you're really creating an expensive sports drink, and I'm telling you to use it in training, that that becomes very pricey. Hmm. Good. All right. So... And there was one other question and it's going to be answered in a, in a future show. But so Eric, I, I'm assuming his pronunciation is Eric. It's A R I C. So, but Eric asks, uh, and this isn't really a sports drink question. That's why it's going to be on a different one, but beetroot juice and its effects on the digestive system, as well as recommendations for daily amounts. I've been trying some, but up to now I haven't really liked the results. Ah, okay, yes. Um, we will answer that in depth in a very soon show, a show that's going to come out soon as well. Um, I will tell you for digestion, it generally is, is a healthy thing for digestion. It has, um, for most people, there's not a problem unless you just don't like the taste and it's kind of upsetting to you on an individual level. I haven't seen a lot of issues for digestion. As far as performance, there is good research behind it. Um, and there's research that shows using it for several days versus using it right before writing. For anyone who hasn't heard the whole buzz of beetroot juice, you know, there's lots of claims out there right now about it um, improving performance, improving performance. So both at the plasma level, you know, taking samples and seeing what's happening there. And then in addition, the performance piece of it. So um, there is research behind both of those, but we'll give all those details very soon. All right, cool. So thank you, Kelly. Uh, it was yeah. a great, uh, great show with a lot of information. So if, if anybody needs to, uh, contact you, how do they get a hold of you? They can contact me at Kelly, which is K-E-L-L-I at Apex Nutrition LLC.com. You can go to my Facebook page and kind of get hooked up with me there. Um, there's lots of posts all the time there, or my website is Apex Nutrition LLC.com. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear from anyone, whether it's questions on Facebook or if you want individual help, it's probably more affordable than you think. Um, I also have, you know, a downloadable version where you don't, if you are someone who wants to just read about it and put it into practice yourself. And I'm coming out with a new edition very, very soon that I'm hoping is very uh, user-friendly and can really take, 
my recommendations and help you kind of take what I do for people, help you put them right into practice um, and not just be all this, you know, talk about what you should do, but, but here's really how to do it. So there's my little sales speech for the day. Yeah, for sure. And if anybody, you know, if you're listening to this, you came to the show page. So just scroll down and you'll see links there too. So you can just click on it and go to the site or go to the feel right blog or email or whatever. So, all right. So everyone, thanks for listening. And Kelly, thanks for another great episode. Yep. Thank you, Ben. All right.